Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Holly Darling. Yes, we do. It's just a fantastic uh, episode where we talk about email and welcome sequences. And it's just so good. Like, buckle up because yes. get your pens ready because Sarah and I both took a lot of notes. We did. And I have a lot of ideas on small things I can do that will really improve. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just the flow of readers into my yes uh, newsletter funnel and it was excellent so it was really good and what I loved is like you know she has big suggestions but Mm -hmm. just small tweaks like you Mm -hmm. said will make such a difference it was really really so informative and just had me both of us we Mm -hmm. were like Oh, oh yeah. yeah, light bulb yeah. moment yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. She, I thought the most interesting thing. Well, she, a lot of it was really interesting, but one of the mm-hmm. things that I took away the most was the uh, customizing your opt-in button. You know, you're yes. opting in, and um, uh, it just is a different way of thinking about it. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. this is something they see. I can use this to introduce people to me, and so right. they get to know me even before they get my first official Mm -hmm. email email so we talked Mm -hmm. about like what she recommends you put in each email in your Mm -hmm. welcome sequence and just a lot of really good tips in this yeah sarah and i realized we were kind of overwhelming people with our first email so yeah yeah (laughs) my sequence is maybe a little too complicated and it's Mm -hmm. giving Mm -hmm. them more information than they probably need or want yeah or want (laughs) yeah So I don't really have any news this week much. I've been doing some consultations. Um, We're still dealing, uh, you know, with my sister's uh, cancer. And yeah, so I don't have any news, but um, Sarah does, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing um, some work on my Kickstarter because I'm going to try that. Um, I've just been researching. Um, I'd like to do a book box as one of the upper levels, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, You've been wanting to do that for a while. I know. And I'm such a big uh, research nerd. I'm like mm-hmm. down the rabbit hole listening mm-hmm. to subscription book po- box podcast and learning all this stuff. And it's fascinating mm-hmm. and a little overwhelming. So I started making my cost, you know, laying out all my cost. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, <laughs> this is a, it, I'm sure it will be fine. I'm sure it'll mm-hmm. be great. But, you know, mm-hmm. I've got to get through all that detail work. So right. working on that. And, um, getting almost um, all my translation stuff sorted so mm-hmm. that it will all be in there and it just has to go live, which I'm really looking forward to. So it won't yes. be, you know, the formatting and the uploading yeah. and all that is pretty much yeah. done. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Great. so that's exciting. So I'm glad about that. And basically that and uh, editing and looking mm-hmm. forward to InkersCon, which we have coming mm-hmm. up. First yes. Can't wait. Can't yeah. wait. I've gotten a couple of messages from people. Uh, we have a little app for the for the conference, and a couple of mess- people have messaged to say they are looking forward to 
you know, meeting us because they look at the, they listen to the podcast and um, that's exciting. So again, if you're going, reach out to Sarah and myself and uh, you can email us or you can reach out to us through that app and just let us know. And we'll, we'll try to figure out something. Yeah. Dinner, lunch, something. Yeah. Something. So. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's like all I've got this week. I feel like we're kind of going into summer and things are mm-hmm. kind of like, oh yeah. Slowing and down, you know, should we tell people what we're going to do for summer? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Go we're, ahead. We're going <laughs> to, this was my idea. <laughs> and Jamie has graciously gone along with it. <laughs> we're going to slow down personally this summer a little bit. We're going to do the yeah. podcast every other week is we're yeah. going to have a new episode every other week. And that way, We'll both have some time off and then Adriel and Alexa who help us with all the back end production production of it. will have some time off as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they both have kids and mm-hmm. I know summer's busy for them too. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. so June and July and August, I think, we August, just do- is, I think yeah. August as well. Cause we yeah. are trying to go out of town for the yeah. end of August. And so yeah. that would be, that would give us like a little more flexibility on scheduling mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm uploading stuff. So yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the plan right now. Of course it could change, you know, right. We'll right. see how it goes. But yeah, we'll just do replays on the weeks we don't do um new new episodes. So but we are gonna do some new episodes. So we're not leaving yes. you high and dry. But. Yeah, yeah. There will be a new episode at least every other week. Mm-hmm. Unless we just get so totally inspired and we just pick back right yeah. back up. Or yeah, or I just miss <laughs> coming on here and saying ridiculous things so uh, but anyway yeah well we should get to holly's episode because wow i mean yes so good yes and let us know what you do what you take away from it we would yeah. love to hear what you're how you're changing because i think yeah. that everyone's going to pull a little something different okay all right yeah, so here's holly so today on the podcast we're really excited to talk with holly darling hi holly how are you hi i'm great thanks Oh, we're glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you. So let me read your bio and then we'll jump into the questions. Holly has written nine romance novels and has 23 years of sales and marketing experience and has spent the last 11 years coaching entrepreneurs through the startup process and teaching authors to use email marketing to sell more books. Her passion is sequencing and segmentation to build a healthy, thriving list. That's great. We all need to hear that. So tell us how you got started working with authors? Um, Sure. So I was an author myself before I started working um, exclusively with other authors and found that in the author spaces I occupied, um, we all kind of bring a skill set to those Uh conversations when we get together and talk about things. uh, And um, my skill set was marketing, but more with a focus on emails is that I have always enjoyed writing emails. And I started working um, in the entertainment industry in um, the promotional departments um, back in the 90s when, you know, email marketing wasn't really a thing, but emails were a thing, right? And so you, um, you know, that's kind of where social media did not exist. And the only way you could kind of contact people was either to pick up the phone or call them or email them. Um, and so I found that I really enjoyed it. And, um, and people would start to ask me a lot of questions, you know, about it. And uh, I was, I enjoyed social media, but I found that I was focusing more of my efforts on building a list and um, how that worked. And so in my um, 
you know, in my day job at the time I was, uh, and I still do, I work um, as a consultant for the government teaching um, startups uh, and existing entrepreneurs how to grow their business mm-hmm. um, in a di- uh, grow their digital revenue. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I found myself thinking of all the advice I gave to them was if somebody consistently asks you for help in an area um, and you're trying to figure out a new way to monetize your business, why not um, pay attention to those common questions? And right. so um, I'm like, okay, like it's, it's a case of, um, you know, listening to your own advice. And I finally, I'm going to do that too. Right. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of how it was born. I started just, um, purely like on an hourly rate, helping people and writing their emails. But what I found was, um, I'm a big fan of voice coming through in your brand and all angles. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even though, you know, I can write an email, um, there are still small words and nuances that weren't coming through. Uh, and so um, what I found was um, it was um, a better fit for me to create um, a business that gave people the foundations and the basics and the strategies behind um, what, what to write and also to help break down those barriers as to why they weren't doing it um, as opposed to actually doing it for them. So that's that's where I'm at now. Very good. So like you, instead of, you taught them to fish, basically. Yeah, you you taught them to fish. (laughs) And you let them go do it, right? Exactly. Exactly. (sighs) That's great. Well, so um, is there anything that you wish authors knew about uh, like email marketing, like how you're helping them? What what do you wish they knew about you and what you do? The biggest thing um, that, the first thing that I always start with is that, like the the one the resistance to it is always you know oh um nobody wants to hear what I have to say other than particularly I could tell them I have you know a release coming or something on sale but nobody wants to know anything else about me so why would I focus on that and my answer is always like we are cool people we write books you know but (laughs) I mean, I read emails from people who walk through the woods and find things, you know, it's like, there's commonality um, there and people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And how are they ever going to get to that point um, unless um, you're confident that people do want to know who you are Mm -hmm. um, and hear from you. And you don't necessarily have to um, give up everything that you have that you hold private. It can, it can just be a sense of, um, you know, of building this community. And I often use, you know, the example of, you know, there's a, everybody has at least one uh, person who lives in the celebrity or the famous space, whether you enjoy poetry, whether you enjoy film, whether you enjoy art, you know, whatever it it is, you have someone you admire and you enjoy. um, And you typically want to know more about them and what their creative process is or how they get to their, what's the story behind what they're doing. Um, So why, why isn't that you too? Right. Right. Very good. Very good. I love that. Um, What do you see authors doing that, they do because they think they have to, but they aren't producing results. Um, 
you know, twofold, I'll answer that like in the email space and then I'll uh-huh. answer that in the general marketing space. Right. And why okay. I, I always Perfect. think that, yeah. <laughs> so in the general marketing space, you know, if I had a dime for every time somebody said, I hate social media, yeah. um, I, it drives me crazy. And there's the odd outlier who's like, it's amazing. And there is that in every scenario, but for the most part, there are a lot of frustrations out there. Um, on the day-to-day kind of handling of what how social media um, responds to what we need it to do. Uh, and um, I'm not saying don't be on social media, but I am saying um, that building businesses on land you don't own is always um, a recipe for a frustrating journey. Uh, and in email marketing, you own that space, you own the land, you make the rules. Mm-hmm. In social media, somebody else makes the rules and you have to play by their rules. So be there, but don't be frustrated because the 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 landowner is changing the rules on you all the time right. because um, you don't have a contract with them. You know, they make all the rules. And right. So exploring other options or putting a heavier weight on and a heavier weight on email marketing um, and learning how to use it in a way that um, can actually, um, you can see direct results and you can, um, you can take that data and use it to grow your business is a smart strategy. Um, And so then when it comes to email, when people are like, I'm, I'm using email, but I don't think it's working. Um, you know, my kind of first thoughts are often surrounding the deliverability issue, which is something that was a word that came up um, last year when Apple decided to um, create their their privacy, um, you know, um, yeah. opt-in, you know, where, you know, the data is not always reliable. Uh, and so I'm like, you may not be doing your email wrong, this specific content and what it looks like, but... Um, what you need to do is educate yourself on the reasons why it may not be getting in front of as many readers as you want. Uh, and that's what deliverability is all about. And it's it feels like, ew, that feels awfully overwhelming and intense, but it really isn't. Um, and so it's more about consistency, frequency, um, and and the content. So uh, what's inside of it and with those three things, you can usually start to see some, some um, better data coming back to support your efforts in email. Right. I will say that the, um, like the, the, the privacy stuff has really affected some areas of my business. I don't notice it as much with my email, but I'm sure it does. I'm just not a real big data person. That's gonna, I've got that on my list of things to ask you. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's been an issue over the past year or not quite a year yet. But how can people, I mean, I guess you're going to tell us later how people can get around that or, or make that work for them as opposed to work against them. Yeah, the, they're... It felt like a big, um, a big issue. And there definitely was some preparation um, Mm -hmm. for users of email marketing prior to the, the implementation in September of, of the data um, update. However, what um, studies are showing is that um, it still hasn't got a full opt-in. It really 
it really was more about us as users of the medium to shift how shift the data that we care about oh. um, and and change our expectations um, on open rates and and baselines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so all that all that really means is yes, it's annoying and yes, it's a shift in how we um, do business yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it still hasn't shown that it has um, that huge of an impact okay. on on um, and how readers take get our emails and and open them, and like, I would say your first kind of thing would be, and hopefully your the service that you're using has this data, and most of them do, some of them don't, um, where you can go in and say, show me um, what email services my my subscribers are using, and what you often find is that where you thought the majority of your um, readers are opening emails on an Apple device, um, a mobile device, and they're, they're actually using Gmail for the most part, as opposed to um, Apple's internal system. Now, we're not going to get too technical into it, but uh-huh. because um, there are some nuances there where if they're on an Apple device and reading Gmail, there are some skewed points. But for the most part, um, when I when I help clients, which I frequently, yeah, yeah, let's just kind of look at this first. And they're like, okay, so I can kind of trust this open rate. I can't fully trust it, Mm -hmm. but I can know that it's giving me a fairly accurate, but what we're not doing is saying that open rate is um, a definite accurate assessment of of what I'm doing. But now I can say, I do have a lot of Gmail users who are not using iOS to open these emails, which means that... um, that data is coming back, and I am seeing, um, I am seeing kind of the what that's happening out there. Okay. So, it 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 was concerning, but now that we've kind of had some time to study it, um, there are some studies that if you ever want to see them, I have like links and stuff to like <laughs> to. I'm sure you probably don't, um, but they're out there, you know, saying okay, it, and the the adoption of it by Apple users was not as fast as what they thought it would be. Okay. Okay. Well, that's. Good news then. Yeah. Yeah. Very good news. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked a little bit about things you see that people doing that maybe is not very effective. Do you have any, um, like, what are the most common mistakes that you see authors making with their email? Sure. The biggest one, um, and my first question when somebody, there's two of them, but my biggest mm-hmm. one, um, first question I'll always ask is, do you have a welcome sequence? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and if the answer is no, which it more often than not is surprising to me because that's like my favorite thing in the world, but it's <laughs> like, let's start there. And it doesn't yeah. have to be this big, huge project. And we can talk a bit more about that. Um, but my first question is always, do you welcome the reader in and orientate them to your brand mm-hmm. as quickly as you can? Um, because if you're not, five other authors are doing it, you know, in right. somebody's inbox next to you. Uh, and and you just have seconds, you know, to catch them. And when they first sign up for your list is when they're most interested in opening your email, reading your email, clicking through your email and seeing who you are. Um, and it's even more important when authors are doing large building opportunities where mm-hmm. they are one of multiple authors um, mm-hmm. in an offer to join a list mm-hmm. and they may not have even had their content or their books have been read by some of these people. They're just like, right. you know, if you're in an anthology or um, a builder or something like that, um, 
chances are good that what you've written in that space hasn't been downloaded and read by the person, so, but they are still interested in joining and finding out later. So you've got to kind of strike why the iron's hot. Right. Um, and then the other um, um, common um, question I have for them, are you um, what's called authenticating your domain? And that one is much more overwhelming and complicated to people um, <laughs> because those it's, it's like tech language, right? You know, mm-hmm. and I am not, I'm not in tech. I mean, I went to school for marketing. So and music, those are yeah. my, that's my college history. <laughs> so math is bad, evil, um, <laughs> but um, it, it's, a, it, it's not simple, but it is outlined. Um, there are um, each individual um, email service provider outlines the stages in their help files very well. So what it means is um, when you send an email, and this is back to that deliverability, uh-huh. um, there's code that's racing back and forth. And on the other end, let's say you're sending it to a subscriber who uses Gmail. Gmail, before it decides where it's going to put that email, checks that you're legit. Um, uh, so they're trying to sort out the spammers and the hackers mm-hmm. um, and the clickbaiters from the um, from the stuff that their user actually wants to read. Um, and the first thing they do is check the code string that attaches your email to your website. Um, and then it's called, um, like it's click data. It's called, you know, and, and, and so this authentication um, basically is just a couple steps that you make in the back end that says, okay, yep, it's kind of like a passport. Oh, yeah, these guys are legit. We've Mm -hmm. done our quick search. Um, Let's at least send it to either the promotional tab or the the inbox. Um, And um, you're kind of giving your best start without having to really do anything to make that happen. You do it once, and then you don't have to worry about it ever again. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, So we want to get more into your area of specialty. And I will say that Holly uh, sent us an email pitching this to us and she could do a masterclass in (laughs) pitches because this was one of the best pitches we've got because you showed us the value you could give our listeners. And um, that's so important to Sarah and I, you know, we, we don't just do this because we want to hear ourselves talk though. I do listen to myself talk. <laughs> I we want to give value to to the people who listen to us. So let's talk about double opt in as a part of your welcome sequence. Well, first of all, let's talk about what a welcome sequence is. Sure. Tell people what that is, and then we'll talk about double opt in. So a welcome sequence, also known as a nurture sequence, it has a few different names it goes by, is a series of emails that happens automatically when a subscriber joins your newsletter list. And a series of email can be anywhere from one email to as many as you want. Okay, great. So how does double opt-in play a part in that? So double opt-in is super controversial and depends on where (laughs) you live. Um, it, it can be a legal piece to, um, you know, um, to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I live in Canada and we do have something called the Canadian anti-spam legislation, which double opt-ins are not required, but they fulfill all of the needs um, of um, a legal uh, subscription to a newsletter. So okay. for me, it's, it's just easier to employ them. However, what I feel about... Uh, and the same with, sorry, the European Union's um, 
GDPR, which you may have heard of, so um, general data protection regulations. Um, so different countries in the global community have different rules about asking for people's data in order to send them marketing material. Right. So a double opt-in can fulfill the needs and requirements of that global community easily. So that's point one. But for me, what I think, all right, if I'm going to use it, how am I going to use it so that um, it actually sells books um, because people think, oh, double opt-ins annoy people. And they used to annoy me until I started to kind of think about the strategy behind them. And what people often don't know is that when they say, yes, I'd like to create a double opt-in, most email service providers just have a little button that you flip on or off. Right. And if you flip it on, it gives you one, but that you can customize it. Mm-hmm. So you can make it look and say whatever you want. Uh, And so mine is actually the beginning of my welcome sequence. If I just flip how I think about it, as opposed to an annoyance, I think I'm actually going to start to move them into my brand so that once they get to that um, first email in my welcome sequence, they're already well aware Mm -hmm. of who I am, what I'm going to offer, what my books are all about, um, and where to find me. So you take that double opt-in and mine has, um, you know, it has my logo in it. It has um, some fun Canadianisms and it has, it's not huge. It still fits like within, you know, no need to scroll or anything like that, but um, they'll know I'm Canadian. They know I write contemporary romance. They know I have um, humor inside of my books. They know my brand color is blue um, and they know my name. Because often people are coming into your list um, from two different directions, warm and cold. So they're coming from back matter, which Mm -hmm. they don't need um, too much nurturing as far as who you are. But more and often than not, people are coming not knowing who the heck you are. Um, And um, so I'm going to do that. And then um, so I just kind of say, here's what's going to happen. This You're in the middle of my Canadian double opt-in is what I call Mm -hmm. it. it's, it's, it's painful, but I promise you on the other side of it, you know, there's a lot of maple syrup, Justin Bieber and something, something else. I can't mm-hmm. recall. I change it every, every once in a while with like trending Canadian topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, all you gotta do is click that button below, head to your inbox, click one more button, and I'm going to give you a free book for doing that, you know, and, um, and I know not everybody can do the free book, but they can give deliver, they're talking about their lead magnet inside mm-hmm. of there. So what have they got that's interesting right. to give to people? And then the thank you has a picture of me. So now they're also like, this is me. So now we are, um, people trust people more often when they can look at their face and see their eyeballs. Um, and um, so it's a picture of me and I'm like, I'm on the edge um, of the cliffs of more. And I have um, the book that's free that I'm giving them is an Irish romance series. Mm-hmm. So it's like, here I am standing on the cliffs of more, hoping I don't fall in and thanking you for, you know, um, coming here. And now you get to read a vow, which is my lead magnet and mm-hmm. just click that button. You're going to have to go back to your inbox one more time. Um, and these are emails that are also sending signals to um, like they're real emails. They're not just like double opt-ins are actual emails arriving in your inbox. So they're getting delivered to your inbox. You're clicking on them. Like things, signals are happening that 
to like say Gmail, it's like, oh, wow, like here's some emails from a new person. Right. Oh, they're clicking, right. you know, right. they like this person. So right. double opt-ins can be actually really beneficial. And when you're done with them, if somebody's willing to kind of continue on with you, you've warmed them up um, mm-hmm. um, through that whole system. And it helps reduce unsubscribes from that first email in your welcome se- sequence. That's awesome. That's great. So, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. I do too. That's brilliant because basically uh-huh. you've taken something that like all I did was like slide the little thing over and Me say too. yes. <laughs> but it's I really just smart. made a note of yeah, <laughs> yeah. customized double opt in. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, and it's not a big email, so it doesn't take long to customize yeah. it. Yeah. And you're yeah. taking something is to me, it's like you're almost using that as like your first email. Like yep. like next week we're gonna talk about um what you do inside each email in your welcome sequence. Mm-hmm. But that's like, you're taking that and using it already in your double opt-in. And if it intrigues people and it's a little different than what they normally see, you know, normally it's just like, click this box. So yeah. if it's a little bit different and you tell them a little about yourself, I think that's really smart and it'll be more, it'll catch their attention. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they're in the double opt-in, um, I don't have, it's called a non-subscribe. So somebody that goes in and never comes out the other end. Right. Um, and those are the biggest complaints they go. People don't, people get stuck in there. I mean, out of thousands of double opt-ins I've sent, I think I've had maybe 20 to 21 non-subscribes. And yeah, that's, no, it, it doesn't happen as often as people think. If you're, um, and, and and less so if you are leading them and setting their expectations um, and making sure they know that this this will be over, you know, momentarily, and right, right, and, right, right. and here's where you need to go to find it. And and people are used to it; they're getting more and more used to yeah. seeing them happen. Right. Uh, what I love about a welcome sequence is that it gives people time to get off the list. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've always said that if you're not working with me, you probably need to be, you need to be on somebody else's list. I don't want you on my list if that's not where you want to be. And yeah. I think people a lot of times are like desperate to build that list. So they'll take almost anybody and, mm-hmm. but then they're dead weight and mm-hmm. we don't want that. So uh, that's what I love about my welcome sequence, because I, I really do give them a chance to, to just, to be in a, um, what did you call it? A not an unsubscribe, a non-subscribe. Non-subscribe, yeah. yeah. Um, because I'll just say if you're not an email person, follow me here and here, you'll get it, you'll get an email when I, you know, from Amazon or Goodreads or whatever, um, when I have a release or you know, or just get on. I think I have a list of just releases, you know, mm-hmm. I do. And um, so anyway, all that to say, I, I think that's awesome. Because I don't want people on my list that don't want to be there. Oh yes, that's my that's my mission. And man, that is the <laughs> hardest thing to convince people. I know. No matter who I'm talking to, what industry I'm talking to, mm-hmm. bigger feels better. Yeah, but it is not always. It is not. It is. It's not. like that saying, like the riches mm-hmm. are in the niches. So you want your yes. list to be mm-hmm. very niche specific. Yeah. Yeah. So take us through. An and email welcome sequence and what should or what you recommend in each email. Sure. My most um, in the next common question is how many emails should I have? Right. Uh, and um, my answer is if you have none, one is perfect, you know, but <laughs> yeah. if you have one, 
let's start to expand to like potentially three or four is kind of a nice sweet spot to sit. But in the first email, it's the most critical uh, and it's the easiest one to kind of um, um, get delivered. It's the easiest one to kind of um, use a, a clear strategy with. Uh, more often than not, people are going to read the first email. And then what happens after that is determined by what is inside of the first email. So not to put so much pressure on email number one, but it does have a lot of things it needs to do. Um, it needs to orientate the person to start like right away. Like, um, thanks for coming uh, here. And then if you're coming from a book funnel promo or um, after reading a book or what have, wherever, you need to connect those dots, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, because often like say a book funnel promo, you're in and there are 75 authors in there yeah. and <laughs> like, what, who is this? You know, yeah. and what yeah. you don't want is, is the wrong, again, you don't want the wrong person on your list. Right. Uh, and so making sure you take step one, like, hey, you came here from here. My name is Holly, you know, and, and, um, uh, you know, I'm going to um, give you a few emails. It's very um, text heavy. It's image light. Um, it's it's just introducing yourself, mm -hmm. making sure they know how they got there so they're not mad. And the one thing we don't want is anyone marking you as spam, right? So um, you're like, you came here um, and um, here's who I am. And then I usually set the stage for what's coming. You know, so um, over the next seven days, I have three more emails, you know, coming that will introduce, um, you know, for me, I, I take um, my best selling books and right now they're kind of all in one single series. So it's easier. Um, and uh, I use them as my theme right through the whole series. So you're going to meet the big Irish family, Murph, the Murphys, you know, they're going to, um, my favorite is Brennan. That's, you know, he's coming at you um, in the next email. Um, and I often will say like, these, uh, this is an enemies to lovers. I'm gathering data and setting tone um, and expectations for them. So always thinking, I want people that, that love um, maybe Irish romance in the contemporary space that skews a bit older. So my um, heroes and heroines are all in there mid to late thirties or mid to upper forties, you know, so in that range, mm -hmm. um, I just try to give them in one or two sentences, which is hard, you know, who I am and what I write about and make sure that I'm right for them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that they know that there'll be more emails coming in a fairly rapid fire situation um, and that they can click a button to download the lead magnet, which is essential. Um, and I have another picture of me and that's it. So ultimately, it's orientating, setting expectations, and setting your brand kind of tone, and away you go. Um, I like it to be mostly text because um, big images sometimes are harder to deliver. Lots of images are harder to deliver, and they're still getting to know you. So I want it to be short and sweet. You know, um, I don't want to overwhelm them with a lot to read. I don't mm. put lead magnets in that first. Um, so some people will do like um, a chapter preview or something like that, um, which I think are great, but I think those are great for qualified readers only, mm -hmm. which means somebody who's asked for um, that inside of their email. Uh, if you have something that requires a lot of scrolling, 
um, they, without having connected to your brand, they'll just like, um, not, I'm not reading this too much, you know, yeah. too much. Right. So make it short, sweet and make it, um, do its job. Mm. Uh, and then email number two, which I usually do two days later. So try not to wait too long. Um, so, uh, what thinking about like, if I'm new to them, um, I want to keep appearing in their inbox fast and furious at the top of this sequence. And then I can start to stretch the emails out after email too. Um, so I don't want them to forget about me. You know, they need, it's that marketing theory of they need, you know, and I think it, the number goes up every year. It used to be like when I was in marketing um, in the nineties, it was seven touch points and you're in, right. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, I think I've heard 21. It's like, Oh, oh good God. Lord. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> So um, I'm going to go for the seven. So if I'm like, well, you know, they see me somewhere, that's me. They go to welcome, uh, opt in one, opt in, thank you. Welcome sequence them at four. I'm like, okay, I should be able to get some books sold and email number two. Uh, (laughs) And and then I'm going to go in and, but I'm only going to go in with one offer and it's my best offer. I've got the most reviews for it. Um, It, it's a great cover. It has the best response. It's my easiest sell. Uh, and it makes sense though. The kind of caveat is it makes sense with whatever I've lead magnet them lead magnet. And that's yeah. not a real word. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it's a natural progression. Um, it doesn't have to be in the same series. Cause I get that off a lot. Like, well, if they, if your lead magnet is enemies to lovers and then they've opened book two, so they've clicked. So you can assume they've at least pr- maybe downloaded it. Um, and you have another enemies to lovers in a different series that sells really mm-hmm. well, match them up. You know, it, yeah. it makes sense, right? You can assume they like that. Um, and so in email two, it does a lot. It's selling that book. And then I myself have a little survey in there asking them to kind of stay or go. And I'm not asking them to go, but in no, not so many words, that's, that's kind of happening. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, it's in a survey that's like, do you like to get newsletters? Um, um, do you want to know all the things? Because I like to talk and I'm a single mom. I love romance. Um, I'm I'm trying to date, you know, all these kinds of stories. I'm giving them some ideas about what to expect in my newsletters. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, or if you just want to know the releases, I only release twice a year. So yeah. Um, that doesn't happen very often, but I do have lots of promos. So I do releases and promos. So I give them a choice, choose column A, which is everything or column B releases and promos only. And then, um, and then I ask them a secondary question. Do you like, what tropes do you like? Enemies to lovers, um, second chance. And I said, I dislike friends to lovers. So you'll never see one of those for me, but if you like it, you better click here, you know, so um, different questions. And then um, I use all of that data later, which we won't get into, but um, just kind of making sure again, that they are in the right spot uh, and they know what they're going to get. And so then, so that's email number two. It's a quick survey. It's a sale. Uh, and then email number three, three sells the rest of the series that I've been kind of slowly mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if they've opened and clicked all of those, um, I start to sort at that point. And what sorting is um, technically is called the conditioning, but I call it just, it's just sorting. People are in, people are here or people are here. Mm-hmm. People over here that have opened and clicked everything, um, they get, um, um, and one more email that says um, introduces them to the next series. 
this is great for people that have backlists. I don't even have a huge backlist, right? But um, even if you have like three books, you could do what's on pre-order, what's in my brain, what's coming, you know, anything to kind of keep them engaged because that's your new hot, hot, highly engaged group of people. And then over here are those that have done nothing. Uh, and so that's column B. So if they have not opened and clicked anything at this point, um, I'm going to give them one more email that is very non-salesy. It's just, for me, I have a book with a guy with a man bun that has this people either hate him or love him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not so much him, it's his man bun. And, uh, and I'm like, do you like man buns? Yes or no? And that's all the emails. Like, <laughs> and I'm just trying to get them to click. Do you think that's attractive? Um, and then I switch it up sometimes with like, are you into alphas or betas or cinnamon rolls? That's it. Cause I'm, I'm considering, and it's all for me as well. I'm considering a cinnamon roll hero, but I'm not sure I have enough interest in it. Um, But so I want to just kind of get that data, but it's usually polarizing opinions Mm -hmm. and it's just a click. It's not even in a survey, just click this or this. Um, And uh, if they do nothing, then they leave my list, which Uh. is ruthless. But for me, and that's a hard place to get to, you can either, you can something called an action that says remove from list if they have not opened this, or you can do put them in a group over here and then don't email them. Mm -hmm. I like do not email those people because they are going to bring down your deliverability. Right. Right. So that's my average welcome sequence. I really rushed through like three and four, um, but I think the critical emails are one and two. Okay. Okay. Well, okay, let's get so to many know. questions. Yeah. <laughs> so many follow-ups. You go first, Jamie. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. So listen to all this. I think I may need to redo my sequence yeah. because like for somebody who has a bigger backlist, I was like, what I do is I say, welcome. And then I kind of gave them an overview of everything. And yeah. I think listening to you, it might be smarter to go back and say, this is my main thing. This is what people like the best and focus on that. And then later on, tell them about the other things later. Would you yeah. recommend if you that? Think about, think about when you walk into um, like a department store and there are all these things to buy yeah. and you're like, I'm only here for one thing, but you get distracted right. and then they might buy the wrong thing. Or they never get to that one thing you want. Like I, or the grocery store is always my big thing. Like I came here for milk (laughs) and I left with everything. Or Target. Yes. Yeah. Target. Yeah, exactly. I go for a pencil sharpener and I leave with, you know, a couch, $300. (laughs) Yeah. Worth of patio furniture or something. Yeah. And you didn't get the pencil sharpener. No. No. Right. Right. So that's my point is that if you really want to get them hooked into your, um, into who you are, it's best to start with um, the thing you think is most attractive to them, right? And not mm-hmm. give them all these other options. Okay. Otherwise, they'll typically choose the wrong one or they get overwhelmed and choose nothing. Nothing. Yeah. 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 And another thought I was like, you were talking about tropes and being very specific on what you like and don't like and using that to as research and then also to kind of get them to click. And yep. so I write mystery. I don't think mystery tropes are quite as well-defined as like romance. So right. for me, um, I've done something where I said, you know, do you like romance in your mysteries? Yes or no. Yeah. And I was yeah. trying to think of like, do you have any suggestions for like maybe somebody who's in like sci-fi or fantasy? Yeah. Like what would be good yeah. questions for those genres? 
Or yeah, it, I would take suggestions. <laughs> or, fantasy. Yeah, any, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've worked with a lot of authors in all different genres, uh, and we've worked on you know some different questions you can ask. And um, I think you can go. It depends on the root your or the brand voice that you have. So if you're kind of um, cozy, you know, so it's light and fun. Um, it's like, would your familiar be a cat or a raven, you know, and yes. different things like that. Yeah. But always thinking, how does this tie into a book I have that I can sell, right. you know, or a series that I can sell them in sci-fi. It could be like, do you believe, you know, there is life out there? Do you believe mm-hmm. in these things? Like questions that, you know, are pretty common, but mm-hmm. that sci-fi lovers have strong opinions on you know yeah. <laughs> and that's um I've also done some like if you were in the game of clue would you want to murder somebody with a candlestick <laughs> or with you know yeah. a knife you know and yeah those are just they're just fun questions yeah. but they really give you an um a get people clicking and b um if you can tie that into you know, my heroine loves clue and she chose the candlestick, you know, yeah. um, and you can kind of, if you're collecting this data and this is like 2.0, but um, you can go back and say, you have a book coming out where um, it's kind of, you know, ripped off of, or not ripped off, but like you're inspired the, by the heroine inspired by clue. <laughs> Sorry, that's bad. Poor form. Um, <laughs> clue. Um, and um, she loves clue and she finds herself like, solving mysteries suddenly and it reminds her of that mm-hmm. um you send like the pre-order to that group only or arc offers to that group only who have mm-hmm. clicked that choice in your welcome sequence the welcome sequence can do a ton of data gathering for you um and whether you like data or not you know you just got to learn how to make it um, yeah. automatically happen so you're not yeah. in there all the time doing anything uh and those are learned skills that can can be um, self-taught easily, like, especially depending on what email service provider using makes it easier or not. But, um, and then you can say, Hey, I got a group of people that love, um, um, love the game clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got a book inspired by that. I'm going to send it to them and offer them arcs, you know, exclusively, right. um, or something like that, you know, and then they feel very like, oh, it's a customized awesome. experience. Yeah. 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 So, Perfect. yeah. Thank you. That's terrific. That is really great. And I mean, like, even for like thrillers or mystery, do you listen to true crime podcasts? Yes, Who are yes. your favorites? You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, because I do. And uh, <laughs> same, I wonder I don't same. write those. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're, you talk about um, using your welcoming sequence to create engagement. Is that one of the ways uh, you yeah. do that? And can you tell us some other ways that you use it to create engagement. Yeah, sure. So engagement in email terms is clicks. Um, Open, it used to be opens, uh, but I kind of think, so my theory is if somebody's getting all your emails and opening them, but not clicking, they're not actually engaging um, with your content. Um, To some extent, it's a reply. Those happen so infrequently that I think they're probably a strategy nobody really needs to focus on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those are those are great. You know, when we do something, send out an email and we get replies, um, it's a great way to kind of um, talk to people. So, right. And create that engagement. So when I say engagement, though, I mostly mean um, clicks and those are the kind of interactions that you're having with each other. Uh, And so we've talked about the surveys and we've Uh talked about um, book offers. 
Um, but some other ways would be, um, it's always a click, but it's a click to, um, like you mentioned podcasts. I do podcasts a lot, but I also do like, um, I love pop culture. So I'll do, um, the Met Gala was just on. And so it took some yeah. Met Gala information um, and you could create a little landing page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are, these again are strategies for people that I see email as a great driver to my business uh, and I'm going to do less social media and more work inside my email marketing. But once you create one kind of system, it's very duplicatable. So I say that um, ahead of creating a landing page that I have a couple different landing pages. One is just thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, um, and the other one is, you know, meant for things like, um, you know, here are my favorite outfits from the Met Gala. Here are my whatever. And it it lives, it can either live in two places. Most email service providers have landing pages that are free. You just kind of build one, but they're less customizable than say your website. So mm-hmm. typically I'd like to move people to my website because then I've got the hope of like, right. hey, here's all the other things I've got going on, right? right. Um, and so I'll build a little landing page that's, you know, got... Um, um, information about that. I have another series um, called Holly versus the house. Uh, and uh, as a single person, I live here and everything's always breaking and I'm trying to fix it. Um, and so inside my welcome sequence, when I'm asking them those questions about what they like to see in newsletters, uh, you know, I can add another question about here's some series that I have. And right. then if they click like Holly versus the house, they can go read some old ones, you know, um, in a, in a blog format you know Mm -hmm. that lives there so that's an engagement if you are a blogger super great way to get people um, over to your website to read your blogs do you like to read blogs yes or no and then what happens is especially like it's really cool if you use MailerLite they have this thing called a rule inside of a group and so does ConvertKit um, where if they click that I love to read blogs it automatically shoots them into its own little like blog sequence, you know, where it delivers them one oh, every wow. month, one every month or something like that. You got to set that up, but once you set it up, done, you can duplicate it as much as you want, do it over and over again. Um, maybe you set it every 30 days to send yeah. out your yeah. blog post. Um, if you want to collect interesting data, like birthdays, mm-hmm. you could say like my birthday is on November 27th. Um, click this button and, and tell me when your birthday is, I've got a present for you, you know, and that button automatically um, it's called a custom field and it just saves a date, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have an automation that whenever um, this date triggers, send them a little birthday gift, you know, um, and these are little ways to That's get so awesome. Yeah. Unique, interesting clicks happening because they're like who and some people will say no and that's fine um but I love getting birthday discounts and freebies and things like that into my inbox um and so maybe I will um but it's just thinking outside the box but less so like looking at your inbox and other brands that you interact with and what kinds of stuff do they do with you I I'm not a big believer in offering discounts through that. I think mm-hmm. for, um, first series free and, and lead magnets are great strategies, but outside of that, I'm, I'm rarely saying, you know, you can buy this book direct from me for a less expensive price. It's um, do you like hardcovers? Great click. And then it goes to your website, to your, to your own page with signed, signed hardcovers. Sorry. Like mm-hmm. specialty stuff that you might have indirect, but for those that are brand new and are like, I don't have, 
anything to sell anybody. I don't <laughs> have a backlist. Right. I don't have much of anything. Those little points of interest are the best ways to create engagement. engagement. And it's yeah. great for you to decide, you know, that's great data to decide what could I write next? Yeah. That really interests people, whether you have 10 people or 10,000 on there, you can get a clear view of who your readers are and what they like right. to see. Um, you can talk. I have one client that I work with that has one book and she never wants to write another one ever again, but she is um, a Regents professor. So she t- tours and is an, um, an English teacher. Um, and she wrote a book about um, 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 an adventure she took with her best friend who passed mm-hmm. away um, while they were um, on a mountain, right? So oh. got lost. she was lost and then they found her, passed away. And um, she talks about nature and emotion. And that's her kind of thing that she loves to talk about. She has thousands of people on her list. And in her welcome sequence, um, it, it only has one opportunity to buy this book. And all of the rest of it is just talking about things she loves because she knows they love it too. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's clicking out to her blog. It's clicking out to um, um, adjunct interests that, you know, kind of par- partner up with that mm-hmm. um, on websites that she knows um, that she loves and are reputable. And it's just kind of finding the opportunity to connect without being able to speak to somebody, typically showing them the things that are important to you and your brand. Yeah. That is fantastic. Lots that really is so good. Advice and ideas. So, so what about if somebody doesn't engage? We talked about that a little bit, but do you have any uh, any tips or ideas around that? What's the best practices? My best practices don't waste your time trying to make them engage, but do oh. set up a system that addresses that. So, um, I have a reengagement sequence that has been the same since I started. You know, it doesn't change too much. Um, and it's only interest is getting them to click something. Um, you can assume that two things are happening if people are not engaging. So not opening, not clicking your emails. Um, either they're not seeing it, regardless of where it lands, or they're right. not inter- interested. Right. Um, and so if they're not interested, I'm not interested in spending time trying to get to them. But I will test that theory. You know? so. Um, Every six months, I'll send out a re-engagement sequence and it's set up to trigger on a date. So it goes off um, January 1 and um, July 1st. And um, it's just to all those people, I create what's called a segment, mm-hmm. to all the people who have not opened and clicked an email um, in the um, in, since the last re-engagement sequence ran, um, send them this email. And it's a fluff piece again. So for me in the romance, it's like, um, if you had to choose, um, it's a visual, if you had to choose this hero or this hero, which one would it be? You know, and, um, and they are both heroes that kind of appear in my books, you know, so on the off chance, somebody chooses one, then they can get shuttled into, then you're going to love this book. Right. You know, so I'm going to try to sell something if they do click, but if they don't click, they are removed from the list. And um, I'm constantly removing, it's called list hygiene because your emails are delivered based on an average data. And what Mm -hmm. that means is your average open rate, your average click rate, your average unsubscribe rate, your average spam rate, your average hard bounce and your average soft bounce. So um, 
that say Gmail looks at those averages. And if you have, say, 5,000 people on your list, so 50% of your list is not opening and not clicking, then your average is obviously, it's a math equation. It's lower than it could be. If you removed all those people, because in the last three to six months, they've done nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you're sending it only to people that have opened and clicked. Your average is going to spike, right? And then yeah. Gmail is going to go, oh, people like this person. Mm-hmm. And they make assumptions about everybody. So it's a, it, it's unfortunate, right? So if you're a Gmail user, they make assumptions based on all of the Gmail users on your list. So mm-hmm. look at, and they it can divide that up quite easily. Like, okay, wow. so you have a list of a thousand people, 500 are Gmail users. Mm-hmm. Out of those 500, 30% are opening. So that's that's fairly strong. We'll send it to a promo tab. If on that, oh, those 500 people that are using Gmail, um, 18% are opening, everybody's going to spam. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if that person opens and closes, we're making assumptions on averages, right? Yeah. So yeah. getting rid of the people that are doing nothing is imperative to the revenue that's attached to your list. Okay. Um, because you can assume, because we cannot always track, you know, where people go after they click, which is the disadvantage authors are at often. But um, we can assume that, say, 10% of your list is going to buy something. So say you have 1,000 people, so 100 people are going to buy. You want, um, you want that to have the best chance, right? You know, so mm-hmm. if they're not going to deliver it right in an inbox in front of people, then you might only see three or four people buy because they haven't seen it. Right. So what would you say to the argument that some people say they never delete anyone from their list because maybe they're opening, reading it, and then they open a new tab in their phone or computer and go to the website and buy the book, but they never click through. So like, so some people say they don't delete anyone ever because they don't want to lose that. So what would you say to that? Well, I would say that it can't be happening often enough that that is, it's all usually back up. If somebody's opening and then um, moving that email into a tab um, and then not clicking and then doing a search, say on Amazon for that author, which I assume is what the kind yeah, of the yeah, scenario that you're describing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are there enough people on your list that that's happening? Um, like I've never done that, right? Mm-mm. You know, yeah. It's all about easy. I don't think there's enough people on anybody's list where that makes sense to me to mm-hmm. ignore all of the data that says, yeah. "What if? What if you you sent an email and seventy five percent of the people clicked on something because seventy five percent of the people got that in an inbox." The subject line was cool. They opened it. They loved you. It was easy and it was done. Um, So are you going to um, jeopardize that um, for that? I'm not. I mean, and I'm not going to convince everybody that this is the way to do it. Um, But I know I remember reading you guys. You guys had Stephanie London on your. Yes. Yes. Um, Stephanie um, is a friend of mine. And when uh, we worked together a while ago and she's like, you're, I don't know what you're going to think of my welcome sequence, but I want you to look at it. And she removed people after every single email. And I'm like, you are ruthless. You know? and I'm like, and she's like, I don't want people on my list. I don't want to be here. You yeah. know? And I'm yeah. like, okay, I at least give them three emails before I'm like, yeah. you're gone. Um, but I think that people that are not, 
doing what you need them to do with your email, there could inherently be something wrong with the way you're structuring your email, right? As because it needs to be easy. And I need to also have my day be easier, right? So (laughs) um, I want to make sure that um, I'm doing the least amount of work for the most amount of impact. Uh, And, and that my readers are opening an email and seeing exactly what they need to do mm-hmm. and knowing that it's easy for them to do it that way. So yeah, I'll, I'll end with one click is probably better than 10 clicks yeah. of offers, you know, the mm-hmm. same kind of theory. So if you're giving them, if, if it's too far down to find the buy, um, you don't want them to have to scroll all the way down to find that. You don't want them to have 10 different Amazon countries to try to figure out which one is theirs. You don't right. want them to um, I, I don't know. It's just, for me, it's all about ease and I'm not going to worry too much about the people that don't fit within that framework I'm looking for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I that's think that's great. And yeah. then one other quick question on deleting people since yeah. we have you here. So yeah. you have the ability to delete in my, in my, what I, I use convert kit and you have the ability to like delete forever where they can't resubscribe or just, I forget what the other one's called. It's just like delete, but they can subscribe again. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. one of those do you recommend? Um, I don't delete them forever so they can't resubscribe unless there is a problem. And I mean, I like think in the problem. last, yeah, <laughs> I think in the last 11 years I've encountered that once. Um, mm-hmm. And typically your email service provider um, can catch that before it comes to that point. And by right. that, I mean like a lot of um, readers, like everybody's email has a trail mm-hmm. and yeah. email service providers are very, um, interested in knowing what that trail is, right? Because they right. don't want people on your list who are doing nothing either. It right. hurts their deliverability. Yeah. So they'll sometimes suppress people. And I get that um, occasionally where like, I've been sending this email to this one person who says she never gets it. And I'm like, yeah. ask your email service provider why. And they come back, they're like, she was blacklisted because her email is associated with spam. And it's easy to re-engage oh, wow. that too. Yeah. And that by, being by no fault of her own. Like right, it could have yeah. been something happening on on the back end, or she had her email was hacked at one point, or what uh-huh. have you. But um, they have the power to figure out what ha- what's happening with that email. So I usually let it let them decide who can never come back, okay. um, and I'll just let people come back if they want, and then test them again. And <laughs> and I mean, and that's fine if you have it in a sequence. So that means it happens automatically. Yeah, it's it's not really taking any time off off your table to do it. Right. Okay. Awesome. Very good. Great. So how do you create a custom experience for your readers inside the welcome sequence? Um, The custom experience is that survey where I say, like, do you want all the things um, or do you want um, just, you know, promos or what have you? And Uh then what you set up from there can deliver a custom experience. So um. This is kind of overwhelming next level, but mm-hmm. it, it, you know, cause it's like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But depending on the service provider you use it, it's easy or a little more complicated. Um, and it, the custom experience is really about that, or it can be um, what tropes or themes or things they like. Um, and then, like I said, go back when um, you can either do it inside your welcome sequence, which is what I do. Um, so um, I have a 30 days later, send them this book, right? That's an enemies to lovers. Um, I'm going to give them some time to like, you know, read whatever I've given them. Um, and so that's a customized experience that I know they've clicked a button. I love enemies to lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give them this. Uh, if 
Um, the customized experience could be, um, I don't want to hear about your life. I only want to know about your books. <laughs> Fine. I'm happy to just sell things to you. That works well for me. Um, but so I'm excluding them from lifestyle emails and including them right. um, from there. But you can do that inside of a welcome sequence too. Like if you know your next email, for me, email three is not about my life. It's about selling books. Um, right. And if you know that, you can set a condition. Don't send it to the group. The people that joined that group one email ahead. Um, yeah. There are so many things you can do inside of not the sequence um, that you can't do inside of an email, um, something called conditions. So if they've been here before, do not give them the sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you duplicate, if you have multiple points of entry and they funnel to the same sequence, you can set a condition saying, if they've been here before, give them this email instead. You know, oh, okay. like, hey, welcome back. You know, it's just one little change in a word, you know, but that feels very, oh, they knew I've been here before. Yeah. Right? yeah you know, yeah, it yeah. feels special. Yeah. Um, or like, or it's just welcome on this side of people, you know, yeah. that have not been here before. Um, that's one that I would recommend doing um, all the time. If someone's been here before, do not give them this whole sequence again. Never, ever let that button be checked. But there's also kind of some technical ways to kind of, um, I put everybody into a group at the end of, um, sequences so based on i have a couple sequences i have a welcome and i have a back matter so been here before not been here before or coming from a a book and not coming from a book right um but i tag them all like as like mine is so simple it's like been here before you know and so then Uh at the top of every sequence where like book funnel is a very common one. So if you're doing multiple book funnel promos and they're always coming in the same sequence, uh-huh. you don't want those people to keep getting those four emails again over mm-hmm. and over again. Um, so it's like, if they're in the group, been here before, they go over here yeah. if, if they're not. So that's a customized way to kind yeah. of make sure that people aren't um, overloaded with emails from you. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, I haven't really thought about that. Yeah. I'm going to make myself a note <laughs> on that one right now. So um, before we get to the last question, I did want to ask you, how do you have any suggestions for people build? You kind of touched on this earlier, but people building a list when they're new, you know, yeah. they don't have a book to give away. They don't have this or that, you know, what are some good suggestions for people to start doing and ways for people to start doing that? Yeah. My first thing is always to kind of, um, so like when I was new and I didn't have anything else, um, but I wrote a lot of my books as I was um, working and traveling in Ireland. And um, I created this little, my five favorite romantic stops in Ireland. And it was a downloadable and that was my lead magnet. And, and people are like, well, people only want books. I'm like, that's not true. (laughs) People, people um, are often more often than not, not interested in reading your lead magnet, you know, um, if it doesn't relate to the series, you know, so if it's just out there on its own, they might download it, um, but they might never read it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I make some sort of fun downloadable, that is very brand specific, um, they might lead it like, like, um, like I said, my, my client who has the one book, she has like, um, her favorite hiking, um, um, a map with the favorite flowers she's found in it. People love it, right? Like I love these yeah. flowers too. How, where can you find them kind of thing? Um, you can do chapter previews, you know, as a lead magnet. Mm-hmm. So if you are working on something, um, either edited or unedited, but you clearly are going to 
make sure that they understand, you know, what that, yeah. you know, what that is, what the limitations are there. You can do, um, I've had some people do coloring pages. Um, um, they've done um, like my favorite books, my top 10 books of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, here, uh, a reading checklist. They've just created one in Canva um, and it's digitized and people can write it in and they fill in their, their favorites at the top, you know, and then you fill in yours. It's just something to connect you with somebody else, but really um, it can be almost anything. It doesn't have to be a book, but those are kind of the common ones that, um, that are out there. I have one client just cozy mysteries and her um, heroine crochets. And so she created this crochet pattern, you know, and that, that's, That's her yeah. lead magnet. Yeah. yeah. Recipes uh, are huge too. Recipes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I did the three chapter preview. No. Yeah. Three chapters. And. It's easy. Built a 1200 person email list off 12 chapters. So. Yep. Um, I mean, three chapters. So yeah, it can work. Um, I think people say it doesn't work as well now, but I kind of feel like that's. It's worth trying. Yeah, I think what, you know, one of the bigger dangers that everybody gets into is listening to what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for the other. I think it's all about how you strategize and implement it. It can work really well for you. Like there are lots of people that have Facebook pages that, you know, work really, really well, but I'm like, I hate Facebook pages. They're evil, you know, Um, but I'm doing just fine, you know, so it just... It's, it's try in marketing. It's all about testing and, mm-hmm. de- and analyzing the data. They're like one of my favorite um, business owners is Michelle Romanov. And hers is always like, um, let the data decide, you know, not yeah. what somebody's telling you get yeah, your yeah. advice and listen, but then let the data tell you the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it yeah, doesn't, if you try it and it doesn't work, you can always change it. So try yeah. something else. Yeah. 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 I'm right there with you yeah. on Facebook pages. I'm not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what um what trends do you see on the horizon like for email welcome sequences things like that anything we should be looking out for yeah what i'm what i'm seeing more um just in the general email space are um people are really kind of have spent the year figuring out that deliverability is getting harder and harder and so they're they're more interested in the um in trying those text heavy emails um and by that i mean like they're storytelling like we're by our nature great storytellers right. but we're not we're shying away from telling uh, our story inside of emails and it's not necessarily our personal private story like i could i do character stories you know and then you could turn those into lead magnets right mm-hmm. or um like bonus scenes and so i do like um you know, what's Brendan Murphy up to at Christmas? Well, he hates Christmas. He's hiding, you know, and then you tell a little story from his perspective and it's two paragraphs long, but it's a really fun little um, way to engage and keep that story alive, um, save it for future use and get more deliverable. So there are more people interested in experimenting with that other than slapping a cover up and some links and a blurb and away we go. That's just not working as well as it used to as inboxes um, become more and more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Um, I see video being used in email um, more, um, people being interested in in testing and and creating those customized experiences. Uh, uh, 
but certainly it's on a shift to thinking about the click as opposed to the open rate um, has really happened um, since open rates have become an unreliable yeah. metric. A lot more people are like, well, how can I get this email not just open, but clicked on? And um, what, is that, what does that look like for me? Email service providers are offering more and more sophisticated um, ways of um, managing your list. And it's taking advantage of what service provider you're using and what can they offer you. And if you're feeling frustrated with them week over week over week, it's exploring new options. Don't be afraid yeah. to do that. Not all the time, but at least make sure that that's kind of coming to the table. And there have been some major shifts in what email service providers are offering based on um, the needs, you know, so SMS marketing, e-commerce, you know, building yeah. your own little store and how to manage that through lists. Um, um, paper, uh, paid newsletters. So mm -hmm. um, I don't mean paid newsletter builders, but for you, like, I have a tip jar. Um, ConvertKit has some cool programs where you can be like, you, you know, you don't want to buy anything this week, but you, you could tip me, you know, it's five bucks, one buck, whatever. Um, like the Substack kind of culture where the newsletters are paid, where they get maybe a cereal delivered there. Mm. That's um, an interesting trend that is growing outside of say the Gen Z market, you know, where mm. more and more millennials are interested in paying for customized experiences and they won't mind paying five bucks a month to get something um, uh, where newsletters have um, a conversion rate that, you know, is mind blowing compared to social media. And right. even though it's not, it's not viral by any means, or you're not right. going to go viral and become instantly a number one bestseller, you are going to, but you can substantially elevate your revenue by right. an ask um, and, um, and not to assume that people are not interested in um, different forms of receiving different types of written work through that newsletter um, is doing yourself a disservice. Very good. I love that. This has been so great. I mean, <laughs> I have two pages worth of notes. So, and I don't take <laughs> notes very often. So it's really great. Awesome. Um, where can people find out more about you and your services and you have a course? Is that correct? Yeah, sure. I'm at hollydarlinghq.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are a bunch of um, free courses in there, little starter kit kind of things, um, some blog posts, and then there's some paid content in there. I have specialty courses um, on MailerLite, Flowdesk, and ConvertKit is releasing in June, uh, and then some general email marketing um, courses. I do have a Facebook page. Um, if you just search the same thing, Holly Darling HQ, you'll find me there. Um, or you can just join my newsletter and I send newsletters typically once a week. Um, and then occasionally twice when they have something, um, super exciting to talk about, but, okay. um, but that's where you can find me. All right. All right. Very good. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I've admired you guys for a while and uh, <laughs> oh. I'm just going to see if we can chat and see. Well, it was awesome goes. and yeah. your pitch was great. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. That's a thing too. I talk about a lot, not so much newsletter, but in that exploring new opportunities for marketing, um, making it easy for the person you're asking um, 
is is critical. So if you want to be on a podcast um, as an author, because there's lots of podcasts out there talking about books and mm-hmm. inviting authors, you tell them exactly who you are and what you talk about and yeah. what you can bring and make sure you've listened to their podcast so you yes. know <laughs> that you're a fit, you know, and um, but you could pitch like a local newspaper. Like there's lots of, you have a little pitch. I have a pitch deck that, you know, I can just duplicate it, do the research, fill in like the, the, the customized pieces. Um, uh, but you can get that kind of information from ga- data gathering. That's one thing I love about newsletters is data gathering from what are people mm-hmm. doing? What, are, like, I get a lot of responses when, what podcasts are you listening to? What, mm-hmm. what, are, what, what do you, you know, and like, okay, well, how could I be there? You know, mm-hmm. how could I be that person? Um, and then creating, you know, you know, something more than just, Hey, can I be on your podcast? Yes. So important. Yeah. In in (laughs) pitching for podcasts, WWHD, what would Holly do? (laughs) Yes, This has been great. So thank you for all the good information and we'll have all the links and everything at wish I'd know then podcast.com. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast and to Adriel Wiggins for doing the admin. And we'll see everybody next week. Bye. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.